Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. We're going to see if this uh, works over here without any feedback. It feels great. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to get out in the sun. He's a cheap seats over here are the beautiful seats. Yeah. So, hey, it's uh, Jason Cooksey around. Jason, can you share this testimony? I've been just wanting us to get this testimony out in our environment. Let's start the sermon with a crazy follower of Jesus. And uh, this, guy, this guy serves with a humble heart and he's also an amazing drummer. But uh, you know which one I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. All right, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it was a Sunday night, I went to, I was dropping Jade off at a party in Midtown, uh, and I went to go get a pizza at Nancy's in Midtown. Uh, so I got there, I drove up, um, recognized I was at the wrong entrance, so I drove up further to uh, the front entrance, and this guy was walking down the street, and as I came out the car, I kind of did like really quick, because I was just trying to move. He's like, he jumped, and he was like, He's like, hey, man, I thought you were going to come out and, like, shoot me or something like that. I was like, oh, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would, so we were just joking. And then as he, we were joking, he, like, he said, uh, can I tell you something, man? Let me talk to you. And he's like, uh, I see your car. He's like, um, I can, like, wash your rims or your, or your, or your windows. He's like, I'm just trying to get some money for, for my wife. And me and my wife, we kind of got on hard times. So I was like, oh, okay. I was like, uh, you don't got to do anything like, like that. I'll just give you some money, man. Um, so I went to my car. And God just put in my heart just to give him my like grocery money for the week. It was like fifty bucks. But so I, I took it out before um I gave it to him. I asked him if I could pray for him. So I prayed for him. He was kinda of telling me the things were going on with his wife and everything. So he said he didn't he didn't like his wife at the moment right now. Uh, so I was like, prayed for that and, and then <laughs> and then at the uh at the end of it I shook his hand, I just said, um God opened his eyes to see that he's a son. Uh, he's the son of God. And then I said, amen. And he said, so funny you should say that. He said, my pastor has been telling me, like, I should talk to God like he's my dad, like, all the time. So I was like, that's good, man. That's good. And I was like, you are a son. God takes care of his kids. And I gave him some money. And then he, like, spread it out and, like, started crying. And he was like, he was like man, I've been, I've been out here all day with, trying to ask people with nicer cars than you. And then you, you're the one that gives me, like, 50 bucks. And I was like, well, this is how it happens, I guess, I guess. And then he says, and then before he walks away, he goes, can I tell you something, man? Can I give you, share a revelation with you? And that's his word in the revelation. So I'm thinking, maybe he's going to, you know, tell me some word from heaven. Let me receive. And then he goes, I'm walking up to the martyr station. And he says, I told myself, like, I put in my mind, if, if I don't get this money, and he, he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out a gun. And he was like, we're, like, right in front of Nancy's. But he was just like, man, I pulled out the, <laughs> he, like, pulled out the gun. He was like, if I didn't get this money, man, somebody was going to get it. Like, somebody was going to get robbed or something. And he was like, and he looked at me. He said, do you realize what I was about to do? Like, he just looked at me, like, shocked. Like, he couldn't believe himself. Like, he was about to do that. And then I said, well, and he lifted up his shirt and put it back in. I didn't know what to tell him. Like, should he throw it in the garbage or I don't know. I was like, maybe you have a, you know, you can carry this. You have a license. But anyway, I told him that. And as he put it back in, he just gave me like, like a really strong hug and like started crying. He's like, man, he's like, some things are never forgotten, Jason. He said, I'll never forget this. And he walked down the street, like just rocked. 
Yes, 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 yes. You know, you can talk about radical generosity changes atmospheres, but that's the testimony of it happening. I love to preach. Um, I love preparing. I love weeks where I preach because I get to, um, I get to just spend time, more time with the Lord than normal, and it's just a, it's just a fun, fun time. And uh, I don't know if my wife gave me a little happy pill in my public sandwich last night, but I'm feeling really good. I'm usually kind of, I'm kind of stoic. I'm kind of, you know, I'm evil, even keel. I'm one of those guys like, I'm so excited, you know. <laughs> but today I'm feeling it, so we're going to have some fun today, amen? Yeah, it's, a, it's really, really good. Yeah, and um, you know, we're all building something. If you're a student, you're, you're building your, your resume, you're building your, your school record. If you're in a career, you're building a career you may be building a business. You could be building a family, a marriage. You could be building a church. We love these geese just coming in squawking. My wife, she loves them. They, they squawk a lot when she's around. And uh, geese are kind of a sign of the Holy Spirit. So we like them. Just come on. Come on. Yeah, you can poop anywhere but the driveway. But you can come on. But we're building things, and um, and many of you have had a chance to build a house in college. I, I helped my, excuse me, in high school, I was took a summer helping my dad in Colorado Springs rebuild a house, and, and then uh, early in our marriage, nights and weekends for 18 months, I was framing a house, and, and lately been over, just overseeing a building of a house. We're, we're, we're going to build a house here. We're building. You're all builders. You're building something. You're building a life. You're building a testimony. You're building. And, and the Lord uses, um, he uses scriptures around a house in, where he talks about the apostles and the prophets are foundations for the house of God. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And later in Revelation, it says there'll be, you'll be given a stone if you're an overcomer. This precious white stone, it's one of my favorite scriptures. This precious white stone you're going to be handed in heaven. It's going to have a unique name the Lord has given you as an overcomer. Imagine how that'll feel. Can you project to that day? You stand before the King of Kings and all the angels and all the saints. And he hands you a stone with a name given to you. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He knew that name before the foundation of the world. He knew he'd give it to you. Predestined for a name on a stone. You're known. You're not of the masses. You're known as well as Billy Graham was known. 
You're known like Mother Teresa. You're known. The Lord likes what I'm saying right now. There's, they're honking. They're honking. Just listen. You're known. You're, your access to his throne is no less than your heroes of the faith. Heidi, Bill Johnson. Your, your access is no less. Your stone will be no less. And my, my own interpretation, don't, don't build a church on this one, this is just me, is that those stones will be laid into that house of God in heaven with the, with the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus, the chief cornerstone, your stone laid in that side wall, a beautiful mosaic, billions of stones into the house of God. But you're building something. When I was in college, I, in spring breaks, I helped my dad a little bit on a house. My stepmom had inherited a lot on Mexico Beach, Florida. Beautiful spot, a little, little lot right on the beach, US 98 right in front of their house and the most beautiful beach. Unobstructed view. And uh, many of you know any of you know that uh, ground zero for the storm, Michael, as it came through a few weeks ago, went right over Mexico Beach. Almost the entire city decimated. Almost every building gone. The Toucan Lounge is gone. The Wonder Bar is gone. All the eating spots are gone. Killer seafood is gone. It's terrible. Let's have a moment. And we heard rumors, we heard a call from someone who lived nearby that and the town was evacuated. We heard a rumor like, your dad's house is gone. And uh, we got a picture. I don't know if the picture is around, floating around, maybe we can fill it up. But we found out later that it's not gone at all. In fact, uh, this little octagonal house had a few shingles gone. They put in these double hurricane windows and it worked perfectly. The outside window broke, the inside didn't. Some, some water under the, underneath the doors, but almost entirely intact. A category four storm right over that house. It was all my building that did that. No, no. no but... Maybe he was a master builder. Maybe there was a big angel. I don't know. Maybe it was all of the above. But your faith, you have a faith story. You're building a house that's called your faith story. Your spiritual house. And I, I just want to share with you some of mine. I'm... Uh, I've had some friends, people I care about, people I love, people I admire. As of late, it's almost like it's a, it's a spiritual thing in the air, in the season, this generation that, that are, they're um, re-examining, deconstructing is a word, deconstructing their faith. And this house of faith we're building, it's okay to, um, 
It's okay to have a little expansion on the house. It's okay to knock down a wall and pop up the ceiling and repaint and get some new, new appliances. It's okay. But if I build a house well in the right location, where's the right location to build this house of faith? Not in my head, but in my heart. You build this house, and you're all building a house. You build it in the right place, in the right location. Location, location, location. Heart, heart, heart. You build the right house. There's no reason. If 45 years ago you built a house on West Paces or Jet or, or this famous drive in Atlanta, and you'd updated it, and you'd kept it strong, and it was built right. And there was an oak tree that was 45 years old forming in the front of that house, and all the landscape was beautiful. And on a morning like this, the sun just shines through the pine trees and lands on that Japanese maple, and it's just sprouting this fresh little spurt in the fall before the leaves fall, that week when it's perfect. If you built that house and you'd built it right and it was in the right location, would you deconstruct it? Would you tear it down? I wouldn't. And so I'm gonna, I just want to share the process of how the Lord is building my house my faith. I love to hear people's stories about their relationship with the Lord. I, my entire career, I'd have a book about someone talking about their relationship with God or a book about my business, and I kept catching myself with the one about God. What you tend to be drawn to is a part of your passion, your greatest passion. I've, I've passed hundreds of books in business to pick up hundreds of books about people's relationship with the Lord. I like, where do, I, my, my, where do mine overlap? Where do we have in common? What do we not have in common? Because I'm interested. I value what they, I don't have in common, not jealous. So I want to share, break off a piece of my life and tell you a little bit about my journey of the house I'm building and I want you to plug in your house as you build your house and you begin thinking about your faith as a house. Would you deconstruct the White House? If you owned a Frank Lloyd Wright home overlooking a waterfall, would you deconstruct it? If you build it right, you wouldn't de deconstruct it. And so my journey, I share, I grew up a pretty much a total unchurched home. In eighth grade, my dad was in Vietnam. My stepmom took me to confirmation class for a few months. And Lindy's dad invited me to church a few times. And he had three beautiful daughters, and I always said yes. <laughs> he would buy me a great lunch, and I got to sit next to three beautiful young ladies. But other than that, there was no church. 
There was no spirit, and we moved every year and a half of my life. There was almost no time for roots. But at 17, in Colorado Springs, the uh, summer, 1974, I began divinely being drawn to this little hippie church near Palmer High School. It was a brick building. It, it was a Shakespearean theater with a balcony on three sides. And 30 or 40 hippies, part of the end of the tale of the Jesus movement, having what really what you would call a big home group, a couple guys and guitars. And I was divinely led. The, the sign out said Shalom. I had no idea what that was. I, had, I went to the biggest high school in Colorado, 2,800 kids in three grades, 792 in the senior class. I knew two Christians. I knew of no church that was having an impact. This was before Colorado Springs became a mecca of ministries. And no one invited me. No teacher, no coach, no classmate ever invited me. I just divinely drawn. You know, my story started unique. Why did I end up going in this church? Sunday night. And my first entrance into the church was a Sunday night. I was late. And... Um, it was dark outside. There were no lights. It was an old building. There was a little tiny foyer. It was 20 by 20 foyer. And as I walk up the steps, three men jump out of the bushes and grab me. Like I'm a Judas. I'm going to steal the offering. Someone had stole the offering the week before, and they thought it was me. An inauspicious start to the kingdom. The dogs of doom are barking at your destiny. Breakthroughs on the other side of a fence. I could have had church hurt before I even knew it existed. So glad I never heard the term. I could have just stayed out. The dogs of doom are barking at your destiny. Who would know, hey, I want to be a giver. They grabbed me like, are you, they, they could tell by my shock. It wasn't me. Like, <laughs> we train our greeters not to do that. <laughs> They're well-trained. Little you know, three or four weeks later, I walk out every Sunday, tears, the Holy Spirit resting on me. Don't know what's going on. Say a quiet, silent, closet prayer of Romans 10.9. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No scripture, no background. I believed. How do you come into the kingdom? You hear, you believe, you confess. Your entrance is the same as Billy Graham's. Your entrance point is the same as the Pope's, Mother Teresa. Your entrance ground, I heard, I believe, I confess. The word of God, beginning a laying a foundation. And I read this verse in Romans 8. If we'll pull it up. That Romans 8 is... Meant, I've talked about this verse before, and it means a lot to me. And it, it basically, 
it says, it says that um, it's, it talks about how the Spirit, being the Holy Spirit, testifies with my spirit. Catch that? The Holy Spirit's testifying with my spirit, Steve Hale, that I'm born again. And it cries out, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. The second verse I ever learned actually became real. Like, I had a great dad, but none of us are perfect dads. And it be, that verse became like, Abba, Papa, you belong. From the day one, I've been the good Baptist. Once saved, always saved. I was saved on that verse. Baba, Papa, Daddy, you're called a son. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're being led by the Spirit of God today, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of the King. And somehow that verse became alive. It became came off the page and I knew it. It never lost its foundation. It was rebar in the foundation of this house. It never cracked. It never wavered. The word of God. And there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. That was what was tugging on my heart when I'd come in that little church. That was what was pulling, wooing, saying, this is right. This is right. You've been going down a wrong path. You've been hanging around with the wrong people. This is where I want you to go. I could feel the wooing. I could feel the emotion of the wooing of my heart like this is it. A unique entrance into the kingdom. Verse 15, you've not received a spirit of slavery leading you to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as a son. And cries out. I felt that spirit of adoption. I felt adopted in to a family from day one. It's available for all of us to feel adopted, not lost, chosen, known. I have no trouble believing there's a white stone with my name as an overcomer. I've been known from the entrance day, the first seed into this precious place, this kingdom. And he says something about the Holy Spirit. If you look at Ephesians 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, 13, it talks about the Holy Spirit being a seal. Every one of us who pray a heartfelt prayer, that heartfelt prayer, hearing, believing, confessing, creates a spiritual dynamic where the Holy Spirit is given. He is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. This Holy Spirit comes and is a seal for us. It's like a deposit. It's like a down payment in your life. Something more is coming, but he's, he's bought you. He's made a down payment. He's put a sign inside of you called the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I could identify it or knew what it was called. I didn't have enough knowledge. 
But that Holy Spirit is a confirmation. Not many years later, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Mike and Debbie Sorrow, they, they said, I want you to listen to this cassette tape. I'm aging myself. And we sat there in their living room, the four of us, and just stared at a cassette tape. You ever done that? And listened to a 45-minute message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't crazy lights. I wasn't slain in the Spirit. I didn't have an experience like Nancy Spencer. I think you just woke up in the middle of the night, didn't you? Like, did I hear that right? You just raised up out of your bed and started speaking in tongues. Like, I want that one. That's a cool one. I can value it without being jealous. But the Lord just gave me a few syllables. Nothing dramatic. And like many people the next day, I'm like, is that real? But the same exact syllable, I can barely remember somebody's name. How could I get all these syllables all came out the same day, the next day? Like that was a good sign. Like, oh, it's the same sentences. And then there was a confirmation, like when I'd hear someone, I'd read something that I knew was God, or I'd hear a preacher say a a few words that like, oh, that's God. I know that's God. I could feel that spirit, that even that language rising up in me. What a great confirmation. And the first prophecy over my life was Mike Sorrow. As he heard the spirit coming out of my mouth, he said, this is your true confirmation. You see, as an eighth grade boy, I'd gone to high church confirmation classes. And they were all good people. It just wasn't my timing. It didn't mean much to me. Ritual can't replace relationship. And I went through a ritual, but it didn't stick. It didn't mean much. The beauty of that service is when young people would get trained and they'd make a confession of Christ and the bishop would come and lay hands. I sat in that church, kneeled down at the front on the little prayer thing that came out. You know how they do that? What do they call that? Little, little, little pew had a prayer thing in front of it. You put your feet, knees on it. It was all cushioned. It was really cool. Kneeling there and the bishop would come and lay hands on one after another after another. I was studying that this week in the Catholic and Episcopal. Uh, that's, that's meant to be the Holy Spirit confirmation. That's what that was designed for. It wasn't happening in our little session. But the first prophecy over my life, the Holy Spirit speaks through my brother. This is your true confirmation. Not that ritual of eighth grade. This is your confirmation. A deposit of an inheritance. The Bible says, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is your confirmation. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes in Western church, Southern church, we've replaced the Bible for the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is your confirmation. We're building a house. 
we're building a house. I sensed in worship today that we're building a house of worship. I just had a sense that the forms were outlined and the PVC pipe was in the right place and the steel mesh was laid down and the gravel was there and the trucks were there and you were part. Worship was special to me today because, you know, we had three of the four worship leaders who've ever been in our church were on stage today. Paul, Spencer, and, and Stevie, Stevie, Kristen Hale, Vanessa. You know, our, our team, if I have a more favorite team, I don't know who they are, but our team, these young men, these young women, they give their time. They come, it's freezing in the morning when they get here. It's cold. Their, their instruments aren't working properly in 35 degree weather. They're giving up gigs at other big churches that pay a lot of money to worship with you. And I just, there's something happening. Like if you didn't, if your heart did not connect in worship, like connect with the father, Abba, daddy, father today, with all due respect, I'm saying you're, you need to, you need to change something. You need to repent. You need to move. You need to come up front. You need to go to the back. You need to do something. It's a war. It's like, it's a red warning sign on your dashboard, like warning, warning, warning. If your heart didn't connect, there is a spear at the head of the spear. People are hearing his voice, sensing his presence getting instruction and having courage moments to say yes. That inheritance is here. You can just walk right into that. That ground. I sense we're pouring a foundation. We're laying a foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever known. And you get to be a ground floor. I know that's a bold statement. Watch. Watch 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Oh, that old man was right. <laughs> that old dude saw something after all. Yes, he did. He sure did, didn't he, Myrtle? Yeah, he did. Play in the greatest wave of worship the Lord has ever known, the world has ever seen. This is my true confirmation. When you're building a house, like you lay a foundation and you, you frame the outside, it's really weak at that point. You have, to, you have to put stabilizers, angles to even keep the walls from coming down. But as you lay on top the floor joists, as you band it, it got a little stronger. As you lay plywood on top of the floor joists and nail all those in, it's getting stronger. As you put hardy board around and nail that in, it's getting stronger. You see, if I'm just standing there with Romans 10.9, it's like the frame, it can blow over. 
but the confirmation of the Holy Spirit got stronger. There's another confirmation in my house building. It's, this one requires no faith at all. On the instruction label, it says no faith required. We're about to build some toys if you have young kids. Some assembly required. Yeah, I made that mistake once. <laughs> Lauren wanted this little kitchen. She is about three or four years old. It came with 427 nuts and bolts. It took me three and a half hours to put together, and I was not feeling like Santa by the time I was done. Some assembly required? Right. This is no faith required. I got this book by Josh McDowell, The Prophecies of Jesus. The prophecies in the Old Testament were written hundreds of years before Christ came. There are 120-something in that book, most of which he couldn't perform on his own. You can't tell people how you're going to die. You can't tell people where you're going to be born. If you just take seven or eight of them, born in Bethlehem, out of Egypt, a Nazarene, born of a virgin, pierced in his side, men selling your clothes or gambling for your clothes. Mathematically, logically, those hundred can't happen. No faith required. He laid it out. If anyone comes with no bias, no prejudice, an open mind and an eighth grade logic. You can't deny he was the son of God. I've preached a sermon on that and everybody's just deadpan, like no excitement at all. The least response of any message I've ever preached. I like it. Maybe I'm a math geek. Maybe I like the statistical probability that he gave us such easy. Doesn't require great faith. No faith required that he was the son of God. I lay that on my foundation of my house and it gets a little stronger. In this environment, seeing miracles... And having crazy prophecies builds my faith. It came later in my journey with the Lord. It was an addition. This cool little addition we built. A man with an argument is never at the mercy of a man with an experience. When I've experienced a young man in Reading as this bump on his shoulder half-inch high, dissolve under my hand. You can't take that away from me. When I've seen people's countenance change and men walk in with a cane and walk out, standing upright and doing deep knee bends, you can't take it away. It's strengthening this house called faith. If you hang around long enough, you'll experience it. 
If you hang around long enough, you'll experience it. When Sean Boltz comes here and he calls out my kids' birth dates and their anniversaries and their street address, he knows you from heaven before the foundation of the world. I believe I'll get a white stone with a unique name. Strengthens my faith. They just put on the hardy board. They're hitting it. The house is being built. Why would I deconstruct it? You've prayed, like me, prayers of faith and prayers to see people healed, prayers to get your tail out of a crack. Help me, Lord. We've all had help me, Lord. Will Will you save me, Lord? We've all had those. I had a, my first job, I had a boss say, if you don't get that thing fixed in three days, you're fired. Help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. And the 11th hour in a crazy, crazy testimony, it got fixed. I close my door. Jesus, you're my salvation. You're my deliverer. And I'm going to get a new boss. And I did in my timing. Jobs and better jobs. Raises and bonuses. Gifts and surprises. Finding money. Debt's paid off. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. You see, we're building a personal Rolodex. You're building a faith story. And if we have it in the right perspective, it's the most precious thing we own. If you have it in the right place, pretend your wallet is where your identity is, your, your license, your debit card where you can administer benefits, your benefit statement is in there. You've got lots of stuff in your wallet. Most people don't have something about their faith. If you're a preacher, you got a little preacher card, get you in the hospital. I got a little preacher card. What's in your wallet? I've been waiting to say that. But what do you value the most? My prayer is today that our collective community faith, hope, acknowledgement of what we have will rise. This faith story, this thing you have. What causes a Peter who cowardly denies Christ to a little girl to a few years later after Pentecost and a risen Christ 
to say, I, I don't even want to be crucified, do it upside down. What causes thousands and thousands of martyrs for the faith to say, I'd rather choose to lose my life than deny him? What is it that gets inside of us? It's the most precious thing we have. If you were to pile up everything you have over here in this dead space to my right, and someone brought a spiritual trade, your faith in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you get to trade it for that. I hope we would all make that trade the right way. If we're really living in him, we make that trade. If we really understand our faith, if we really value it the way it should be valued, you've been chosen, you've been called. The Lord gave me a new song a few years ago. You've been ransomed from the fall. You've been ransomed to a call. You've been ransomed by the one who knows your name. This thing. You have him, you're richer than Bill Gates. Is it a nice preacher talk or is it real? Would you trade your faith for a billion dollars? If you're in the right place, it sounds ridiculous. My wife, love her to death, she, uh, she said this week, she said, Steve, I feel like I'm living two lives. So what, what's that? She said, um, it's my busy life. It's my church life and my school ministry life and my grandkids life and my you life. And my, I'm just in there somewhere, you know, not offended, not offended. <laughs> it's my, it's my mama's life. I'm taking, you know, my Wednesdays with mama. And it's, 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 it's my busy life. And it's my other life where I'm trying to escape to be with him. Where I'm trying to find time to be with him. I wasn't offended. I was complimented. And when I'm in the zone, I'm feeling the same way. It's that raw, that's in the zone time. It's that fasted lifestyle time. It's that presence of God awareness, time. It's that I'm aware, Christ in me, the hope of glory, time. It's my wife saying, I, I got to get alone. It's me when I lay on my bed and I have this little pinging thing that happens. It's involuntary. It's happened a million times and I don't say that with exaggeration. I lay my head on my show, on the pillow and there's a ping I used to be in telecommunications world and, you know, a modem is, turns analog English language into digital French language. It allows, it allows voice to go over a telephone line and now become data. And these two modems, they talk to each other. They ping each other. They say, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Send it back. I'm okay. You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, it does it all the time. It would drive you crazy if you had to listen to it. They're pinging each other to say we're okay. My spirit has a 
thing going on. And involuntarily, all the time, when I get quiet, it says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I can't make it happen, and I can't make it stop. I love you, Lord. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've been called. You've been chosen. You've got this thing. It's, they call it this treasure in a jar of clay. Who's the jar of clay? We are. We're the frail ones. We're the broken ones. We're the ones that you drop, they break. We're the ones that can sin. Inside this treasure. He placed this treasure in a jar of clay. I don't know why. And he's called you. Called you. Like Isaiah 61. He's called the broken. He's called the hurting. He's called the ones who don't know who they are. The ones. They called the ones. The young man with a gun who's ready to go to rob. And he's called us out as restored ones, broken ones. Jason Cooksey, hearing the Lord say, give him some money. Don't give him $3, give him 50. Don't walk by him and say, he's just going to blow it on booze. We're people of faith. We're people of the way. We've been chosen. You've been ransomed. You've been called. You've been forgiven. And the Lord will take his spirit and his people and his word and the person sitting next to you left and right. He'll begin to use that to knock off the things of the world and allow his spirit his presence, his face to become preeminent, the most important thing. He'll rise up and he'll call you into a holier place about what you're for, not what you're against. And you won't do it out of duty. I've got to quit doing that out of duty. No, you'll, you know, I've got to spend time with him and I don't want to mess that time up the freshness of it, the purity of it, the realness of it, the rawness of it. People of faith, people of the way, chosen, forgiven, made righteous by the blood of Christ, called to be warriors, called to be restorers, called to be called oaks of righteousness. He's building an oak tree in my front yard. It's 44 years old. It's had, a, it's had a little disease along the way. There's a couple rough spots. There's a limb that's come off, but it's really starting to look good. It's on its way to become an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, restorers of a city. So Lord, let us 
Let us acknowledge and honor this treasure you've allowed us to find. You allowed me to find in a little obscure Shakespearean theater in Colorado Springs, Colorado. You allowed me to find. Let me value it the way I should. I repent for the times I don't. I repent for the times when I let the noise of the world not be strangely dim. I repent for the times when it's louder than you are. Bring me back to the time when I sense your presence, when I'm longing to be away from you, where the pinging in my head, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, drowns out every other sound. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.